We all have stories about where we came from, how we grew up, and the people we've walked our journeys with. We have joys and traumas that inform how we see the world and how we see others in our world. Today, we'll go beneath those stories and look at what it means to lead as someone who has their own stories and what it means to lead people who have their own stories. Hello, colleagues, and welcome to the Assistant Principal Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Frederick Buskey. We are all on a leadership journey. Every day, we have a chance to grow. Every day, we have a chance to help others grow. My goal and the goal of this podcast is to help you grow into being a strategic leader, a leader who puts people before purpose, who solves problems instead of treating symptoms, and who understands the difference between progress and action. Through this podcast, my daily email, and virtual programs, I'm working to build a network of inspired and inspiring school leaders. Let's get started on today's adventure and this unique opportunity to learn to live and lead better. Dr. Efrain Martinez is a father, husband, principal, and podcaster who is always in search of wisdom and who has found productivity to be a great tool for success. In fact, he's the host of Wisdom and Productivity, the podcast of an imperfect educator. And I will add, he's an incredibly deep and soulful human being. Hello, Efrain. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me here. A pleasure. We always like to start with celebrations. So what are you celebrating today? Well, I just turned 44 years old the other day, uh, literally last week. Uh, every day that I'm on this earth, I want to be grateful uh, that I um, have what I have, which is a, a, a small uh, family, uh, access to working in a profession that uh, I feel passionate about, uh, that children hug me and teachers give me high five. Uh, I am very grateful for that kind of stuff. Mm, thank you for sharing that. And happy birthday. Thank you. Is there a story that will help listeners understand why you're doing what you do? Well, I guess this this is like a web of stories. Steve Jobs said that life only makes sense when you look back and and connect the dots. <clears throat> My father was born in 1940, uh, 1927. And uh, when he was uh, in his 50s, he started um, dating around, even though he was married. And he connected with someone. And when I was born, two weeks uh, after I was born, he made an arrangement with that um, girlfriend that he had. And he switched me uh, for an, a certain amount of money and a car. And he brought me in a basket to his wife. And he said, hey, they gave me this kid in the Dominican Republic. So that's how my life started. Um, I uh, I am the uh, the son of um, a Venezuelan mother, Puerto Rican father, uh, but was raised thinking that my mother was somebody else, and my father um, uh, had sold me this story about who I was. Um, my father was a World War II veteran, so 
Uh, when I was growing up, my parents were two generations older than the parents of my friends. So there were so many uh, different things that I had to go through the story. And the fact is that when I was growing up, I, I grew up in, you know, trauma lives in both wealth and poverty. So I was not poor in the sense of going through hunger, but I was poor in the sense of living in a way that felt safe. I endure uh, uh, quite a lot of uh, physical abuse and, and, and verbal abuse from my parents. And that really uh, impacted me uh, for the rest of my life and in how I ended up becoming an educator was in many ways to save that child that thought many ways, many times that is better not to be alive because it's a better thing for society because your self-esteem is so low because you think you are not worth it. You're not smart enough. You are not uh, the son of someone. Uh, you're the illegitimate son of somebody else. And um, like George Orwell said uh, in the 1984, uh, if you own the present, you can change the past. So in that context, it's more about uh, politics. But I have adapted that quote from, I own my present so I can go back, understand the past, and make the best out of it instead of allowing the past to take over my life. And being able to uh, being self-aware uh, as an adult and transforming my life from a depressed uh, person that didn't see worth of living into someone who wants to live every day and makes a living supporting people to be the best versions of themselves is what I do, why I do what I do. So the topic of our show today, what we want to talk about is all this stuff about being human and being human as a school leader. And I think listeners right away understand why you're the person that I invited onto the show to, to have that discussion. And I'd heard that story on your podcast, on one of your episodes, the first episode that I actually listened to. And, and so we'll put a link to that episode into the show notes because it's just, it's such a powerful story. Efren, you were recently kind enough to invite me on your show. And it was just such a friendly and really almost intimate conversation. I left the interview feeling human and real and at peace. And a significant reason for that was your leadership as a host and the experience of two people connecting at this really authentic level. So I thought it would be great to have you on so that we could explore more deeply this idea of being an authentic human school leader. But first, I have a question for you because you know what they say about paybacks. <laughs> Efrain Martinez, who are you? Uh, listen, I, I I have thought about that question many times. And uh, the times I have thought about, you know, what is listening to my show? I'm just going to end it. And my wife, always so supportive. No, you're going to keep your show. You're passionate about what you do. The truth is that I am, I am the adult that still think he's the kid trying to make the best out of life. And 
I have truly cherished the quote that life is not a journey. Uh, it's not a destination, but a journey. And I try to, to like deconstruct everything that happened in my life and try to connect on how to best anticipate what could happen. How can my message land in the people that I'm leading? How can I be best supportive? I'm being an authentic, empathetic uh, husband and father uh, and friend. Uh, I think that uh, I am the the combinations of of many erroneous things that at the end um, it's like Robin Sharma says, build a monument with the rocks that people throw at you, right? And the rocks that life has thrown at me, I have taken and I have built up this Taj Mahal of, of my life. And I think that uh, every day I try to make it better for me and for the people that I serve and, and for my family and, and my podcast is a venue for that to communicate that no matter what has happened in your life, like Brené Brown says, you are the author of your own story. So every day I'm writing it. And I think listening to your story and I have a story and we all have stories. And I guess at the very beginning of this conversation, right, when we talk about being human, it seems like maybe one of the places we can start is to, to begin to understand the stories of the people around us. Um, I think that um, as a school leader, right, um, it is so important to, like Fuller says that the number one lesson that he learned in his four decades of research and education was that you need to love your employees, okay? You need to sincerely do this. And it is imperative because when you run your school like a business, uh, it is doomed to fail, right? You need to connect to the people and meet them where they're at. Because that's another mistake that uh, the school leaders often do is that they think they know what is best and they maneuver themselves that they know all the answers. And whoever is not meeting that threshold of what they imagine is a good educator, then they just ambush them. And then there's this consistent war between uh, the teacher and those in the quote-unquote dark side. And it's a never-ending story that on top of all the systemic inequities that exist in schools all around our nation, we make this difficult, this job much more difficult. So connecting with the humanity of the people that you are leading in a way that they will feel that you sincerely care for them is the best that we can do that is under our control to move schools forward. Mm. The hardest job I ever had was as a special ed coordinator at a county office. I began that job and I really didn't understand what I was supposed to be doing. It was a rural area and this is 20 years ago. So it was a less litigious time, a little bit calmer time. We didn't have cell phones at that point. 
but I didn't know what I was supposed to do. And in my really arrogance, I thought if I just tried to mold everybody to be like me, we'd be okay because I had all the answers. And and I wasn't doing that out of a, a mean or selfish rationale. It's I was just ignorant. I just thought, wow, I like I've got it together. If everybody else could be like me, we'd be good. And so my leadership really centered around me trying to convince people to think like me because I thought then their world would be better. I did that for about a year and a half and just struggled horribly in that job. And finally, through a, a couple series of things happened. One, my my mentor, my superintendent took me aside and said, you need to change. <laughs> but also I read this article by Milton Meyerhoff um, in, a, in a short book, long essay called On Caring. And what Meyerhoff said was that when we truly care for other people, then we try to help them grow in the direction that they want to grow in, not the direction we think they need to grow in. And I viewed myself as a caring human being and a caring leader. And so that hit me so profoundly and, and just realized, wow, I, I'm not serving people right? I'm trying to drive stuff instead of serve people. And so that year was really a, a big flip for me. And when you stop trying to make people like you, your job, then it's clear you have to help them grow in some direction, but then you have to actually listen to people and you have to learn at least parts of their stories in order to know how you can support them. Amen. You know, uh, when I was listening to you, uh, when I started as a principal, um, I went to grad school. I took my certification exam. They taught me how to do an entry plan. I went to the interview. I talked about the entry plan. People liked it. I was hired. So the first thing I did without consulting a soul in the school was to change the school handbook based on the handbook of the school that I was coming from because I admired the principal in the school, right? So in a way, I was serving myself, even though, like you said, it's not like we are evil people or we hate the world. It's just that we think this is the way you do it. And in a way, during that belief, uh, at least in my case, I became so implicitly arrogant that my stuff was better than the other stuff and everybody was going to learn about me. And what happens is that no, the, the best, Dale Carnegie says, the best thing that you can do to make someone to want to do something is for them to want to do it, right? So certainly when you tell people that they need to do something, they will want to do the opposite. So you have to really, if you have a plan, right? You have to bring your plan to the table and say, listen, I don't know nothing. This is the little I learned. What do you think? And what do you think? Oh, let's connect these two ideas. And then the best teacher in the building is not the principal like I used to think, that you have to be the smartest, that you need, need to know all the subjects and all the strategies. And oh my goodness, you cannot make one grammar mistake. 
But when you go with your strengths and your areas of, 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 of improvement and you say, listen, I know how to make the rice and you know how to make the beans and you know how to make the dessert and you bring the drinks. And then we have a bonanza together of good, well-performing schools because everybody's working together and everybody's putting their part. That's what a great leader does. And I have learned that uh, from Simon Sinek. I have learned that uh, from Fulen, from uh, Marzano, from all these uh, like, like great figures to emulate that uh, the leaders eat less. Mm, yeah. So we're talking about being human. What does that actually mean to you? So I think in a way, when I started as a school leader, uh, like I emulated a few seconds ago, I thought I had to be perfect. I could not make a mistake. I had to be... Um, uh, oh my goodness, and I'll even go to stores nearby because if someone will see me in the store, uh, I have to to be all perfect. And being human is being imperfect. It's saying, I don't know. It's saying, what do you think? Uh, it's saying, wow, I understand how you may feel. It's, it's thinking, wow, this person is more listening than me giving advice. Uh, because often teachers, they know their own answers. They just need someone to listen to them and to exchange ideas. Um, your, your spouse doesn't necessarily need you to give them advice. Uh, they need someone to be there to support them and to listen. Um, you need to tell your children, I am sorry. I should have said that I raised my voice or I call you a name or, I should have been there and I wasn't, I forgot. Um, and with those apologies come a sincere effort to make up whatever mistake you have made. And then people get to realize, wow, this person really cares. They they ask, they, they, they did what they said they were going to do. And when you, when you are authentic in the sense of this is me with all my flaws and no perfection, uh, no editing, no editing the picture of life, just giving the raw um, uh, recording, then people can see that, um, that you are it, that you are not an emulation of something. I almost want to just summarize that and then we can end the podcast, but I know we have a lot more to unpack. So you, you began that with being, being human is being imperfect. And I think that will probably wind up being the title of this show episode. And it's such a powerful idea because as soon as we understand that to be human is to be imperfect, we can let go of that idea that we're supposed to be perfect. And as soon as we can do that, and we realize how imperfect we are, I think one of the natural byproducts is we stop talking so much and we listen more. And when we listen more, we can serve. And then the other thing you talked about was being vulnerable. And I actually wrote a note to come back to this when you were telling your open sto opening story about you know how you were raised and your life. And what struck me in that 
one was obviously the vulnerability that you were you were modeling for us, but also that you were being vulnerable in a way that was authentic. Because I think sometimes we think being vulnerable is sharing my story, but I can share my story in a way to win sympathy, which wasn't what you were doing, right? You were sharing your story so that we really understood who you are and and why you bring the perspectives you bring. And so I think one of the things we can do as leaders is to think about how we are vulnerable. Like you said, apologizing for the thank you, being able to say, I don't know the answers, right? Being vulnerable doesn't have to, to be, oh, well, I had this experience too, or something like that. It, it's it's more really in the smaller, simpler things. It is. And, you know, we often complicate our lives so much. We are always angry at something or resentful or something. We are always thinking deep inside of taking a vengeance at someone when we post something in social media to show them that, hey, I am this today, even though you did this to me. And you know what? It's okay. Because we all at some point resent. We all at some point have to deal with that. But the question is, like, what are we going to do with those emotions, right? So I remember I was telling my, my children the other day that I I was uh, in a party. Uh, maybe I was... Um, uh 11 or 12 and to give you an example you know in those parties people were smoking and drinking and had access to very early age uh and i remember a kid for no reason came and and turned off the cigarette on the back of my neck and that of course the, the impact and i turned around and i was so angry and he said what what are you gonna do and i was afraid uh, and I, I was telling my kids you know, sometimes I go and I want to go back in history and punch that guy in the face, right? And I told them, but the day I forgave this person as an adult, even though I never met them in my life, I don't even remember the name, but they get, the day I forgave this person because they didn't know what they were doing, that person stopped living for free in my life. And often... We take away so much bandwidth that we could be giving in 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 love to somebody else or in our performance at work or in our art as a podcasters. We invest all that energy in demonstrating to these imaginary figures that are living in our mind, in our subconscious, and we just have to liberate them because uh, the past is the past and you have to make your own future. It makes me think back to during COVID when I think this this lesson of being more forgiving really hit me. And my wife and I lost her mom, her uncle, and her older brother in the span of eight weeks. Wow. And that's on top of you know everything that was going on during COVID. And and I watched my wife struggle through that. And I was struggling too, but sometimes we don't realize, right? Ourselves, we don't see it in ourselves. We see it in the, in the ones we love, but just 
being mindful that every day that she went in to teach, that was the best, that was, that was a Herculean effort just to do that. And, and it just made me think about the demands that we place on people and the idea that we have got to be much better about giving grace and that, and that when, when we embrace that, when we decide as leaders to give grace as not to individuals, but as a general way of living to be graceful and to give grace to others, a lot of judgment can, can roll off of us. And then again, we can go back and we can be more present and we can listen. And when that car cuts me off or passes me or whatever it is, I don't know what's happening. Maybe that person's rushing to the hospital. Maybe they just got some terrible phone call. We don't know. But if we can just extend that grace, and then this goes to our teachers and our kids, then we can meet them where they are instead of going back to earlier, trying to meet them where we expect them to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, talking about giving grace, one of the best things I did, um, I, I had, um, in I believe it's 2018, I had a, a, a big episode where I had to take a leave of absence from school because the the level of depression that I was suffering was to the point that I just couldn't be. Um, one of the best things I did, I researched what people do when they go into recovery retreats. So basically millionaires uh, and people who can afford this kind of stuff they go to a place and they go on a retreat and they have all these people who give them therapy and they do yoga and they do activities to uh, forgive and forget, yada, yada. So I studied that because I'm a natural nerd and I did it in my own home with myself. And the best task I did was that I took a plastic plate and I wrote the names of everybody in my life that have hurt me. And I put the name of my mother in the middle. And then in the back of the plate, I wrote the names of everyone that I had hurt because I am perfect, right? I have done things that I am not proud of. Um, luckily, nothing criminal, but I have hurt people's feelings. I have not been a good friend. I have failed as a family member um, in... I went through that leave of absence, through mindful meditation, visiting those moments. For example, that kid that put the cigarette, I visited that moment and I saw myself as a kid, how I may have felt and realizing that other kid, you know, was going through something else. You know, I did also stupid stuff that I'm not proud of. Why not forgive that person and let them go? Um, I forgave the person, the two people that like like sexually assaulted me. Um, and I was able to visit that moment and those difficult, vulnerable situations, I visited them with a lot of passion and dedication. And I was able to say, I understand, I forgive you. I know that if you will have known better, you will have done better. And my job today is to move on, close that door, and continue with my life. And I was able to do the same with the people that I hurt. And 
like Frederick, all my crosses that I was carrying, all the weight that I was carrying suddenly fell and, and my life like just changed. Like it's just like I didn't realize my health, uh, my my vitals, my blood pressure, like everything just changed because I was living all this time with all this anger and all this frustration and how imperfect the world is when without realizing that there's people in the world that will give anything to have a minute of the life that I live. Mm. So I started being grateful for the little that I have and started saying, you know what, whatever happened in my life, I am not going to allow emotions to control me. I'm going to use those emotions and I'm going to share this story because there's many people that are in that place that the the anger and the resentment is taking over. And then I have seen way too many people because my father, again, was born in 1927. So I went to a lot of funerals growing up and I saw so many people in the deathbed, so unhappy, so angry, so upset. And like the quote says, hell is the inability to love. And I learned, I saw that with my own eyes. Um, and when that got, when that car passes me by or someone says something stupid or even the can of, of beans falls on my toe, I think, you know, I can yell right now of pain, but I can say, you know what? Pain is something that is in my mind. I can do something about it. I can breathe profoundly and make a better choice. When that car passes, I can say, it's okay. That's not a problem. I'm not gonna let that bother me. And you start realizing that you have so much more bandwidth to do the things that you wanted to do when you were all pissed about life. And I think that's my purpose of this wisdom and productivity, the podcast of the imperfect educator is to share the story that, hey, um, you can have a awesome life, even if you have X, Y, and C problem. It's about what you do with those problems. Efrain, it's so interesting that when we forgive others, the gift is really to ourselves. Most of them will never know that, that we're forgiving them. They may not even remember the hurt. But when we do that, we are giving ourselves permission to put all those crosses down. Amen. And it's funny because at least in my experience, it didn't start like that, right? It, it starts by saying, you want to do something for others. I'm here preaching the song of let's do good things or good things happen, but I'm not doing it for myself. So let me forgive people. Let, let me be the person that I'm trying to teach my children to be. And then all of a sudden you start getting all these benefits uh, and you realize, wow, this really works. Um, so the key here is like Dale Carnegie says, is to do it sincerely. You have to sincerely do this because you care about humanity, because you care about making the world better. If you just do it because, ha, huh, I found the formula. If I do this, I'm going to 
it's not gonna work because uh you can fool the world but you cannot fool yourself so in on those days where students are showing you their issues and their stressors and you've got teachers that are upset or really needing to grow and maybe not willing to grow and parents and all this stuff is is going on how do you ground yourself and keep yourself being human and treating other people humanely instead of getting misdirected onto the stuff well some days are easier than others uh most days because i have been doing this now for for about five or six years uh some days are like okay you know you are the physician in an emergency room uh, hospital you are used to that every time those doors open someone is coming with trauma and crying and yelling and angry and you just have to be zen calm and you have to support people but sometimes people get to you because we are human that's part of being that's part of being human being aware and accepting that sometimes somewhat you don't you don't get pissed you don't like people don't get you pissed off or upset you decide to get upset about stuff right nobody can force you to get mad or sad you decide to get there and sometimes believe it or not one or not you are going to get upset because you decide to get upset and sometimes that happens to me too and you have to be aware and be open to say to people you know what Give me a couple of minutes or let's meet tomorrow and continue this conversation. In my case, I go for a walk. I walk my dog. I'm a, I am a natural nurse. So like right now I'm listening uh, to the biography, the new biography of Martin Luther King. I'm reading the biography of Leonardo da Vinci. I am uh, reading two books for a two podcasts that I have this weekend one on uh, people who leave the field of education and one of people of equity focused leaders, you know, like, like I love to read. So that is a, a, a great gateway for me to put things to the side and then revisit them. And a hundred percent of the time, when I come back and revisit it, I realized, eh, it's okay. It could be worse. And always having that thought that, it is okay to sometimes lose it a little bit, just don't lose it on other people. You can be like the Stoic says, you can be lenient with people, but you have to be very severe with yourself. You have to give yourself the opportunity to say, okay, I'm not gonna let myself lose control and tell someone to F off or do something impulsive that is gonna cause harm to somebody else because Nothing good is going to come out of that. Nothing good comes out of yelling, of insulting, of aggravating, or writing a mean email. Nothing good happens about that. You can think about it because we're human. You can do like Abraham Lincoln did, that when General Meade messed up, he wrote the nastiest 
letter that you can write uh, to a military officer, but he never sent it, right? In this world of technology, I advise that you don't write anything because everything can be discoverable. You can think about it, okay? You can give yourself grace and say, you know what? This is what I'm really thinking about it. And tell yourself and then ask yourself, is it worth to say these words? Is it worth to act upon them? And then your 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 mindset is going to tell you, no, you just get it out and you come back to the situation. And then people will realize, wow, how forgiving this person is, right? Let me give myself to this. And that way you give, I give, and together we are better. Everything that we've talked about tonight I think is in some way or another dependent on being present. And a lot of it is begins with us being present to ourselves, right? Present to our own story, present to our own emotions, present to how we're responding to the things that are coming at us. But then the path to growing others is being present for and with them, because then we can learn their story. What are the barriers in your principalship to being present? And then what are some of the things that you do to overcome those barriers? So being present as a, as a school leader is quite difficult because you have so many mandates and emails and observations and they're going to deliver books and there's going to be a build a teachers from other building coming to yours. So you have to send yours to the other people. You have a lockdown drill, fire drill, a parent that is upset, a parent that comes and wants to know about your school, a teacher that is upset, another teacher. And there's so many things that are going and being present when someone is telling you, yeah, my parents are sick. You know, I don't know if she's going to make it. I think I have to leave the country. And you're just saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the person feels it, right? So you just have to remind yourself that if you, like this is Simon Sinek, if you, the, 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 he asked a general, how do you know someone is a true leader? And the general said, when they ask someone how they're feeling, they really mean, and they want to listen to the answer because they truly care. Right. So you really need to make a point that whoever is in front of you, if you're going to address them and they're going to address you, you need to be in that moment. And if you can't, you can tell, hey, listen, Frederick, uh, I really want to talk to you. But right now I'm doing something. I get back to you and people will appreciate them because when you're just, yeah, yeah, yeah. How you doing? Good, 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 good. And, and there's nothing of substance or significance then um, you cannot really be the leader that you can be. So how to practice this stuff of, of is absolutely hands down meditation. Listen, meditation is like a workout that sometimes you want to run away from because it is so unique. Sometimes I, I, I struggle with sitting down for even one minute to meditate because my productive mind is you have to be doing, 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 right? But when you take a moment and you focus only on your breath and in a way 
you are like that little person controlling someone behind your mind, controlling the whole body. I don't know if you remember Voltron. There was something like that. Um, <laughs> I remember Voltron? Uh, like you start realizing, wow, you know, all this, this, this power that I think I have on my life, I cannot be 10 seconds before a thought about something coming into my mind interfering with my intention of focusing on my breath. When you realize how powerless you are, you start acknowledging, wow, if I don't make a sincere effort to be present, to listen to this person for a few minutes, I'm not going to go anywhere. Meditation is a reminder of how powerless we are with everything that is happening around our lives. And when you're aware of the hurricane and tornadoes that are passing by and you are able to stick in the middle and not allow the waves to take you to different sides, then you can articulate your life and be completely present. It is a daily practice for many. I struggle in making it daily because that's my other side, productivity, right? How do you make yourself present? You have to plan your day and your weeks. So Robin Sharma says that when you plant the blueprint of your week, you're able to have a more productive week. So every Sunday, some people do it on Fridays, every Sunday I sit down for about 30 to 40 minutes and I write down in my agenda because even though I have a Google calendar, when you write it down, you learn it twice. I write down what I'm going to do every single day of the week, who I'm going to meet because then my, my mind starts thinking overdrive without me even realizing. My meeting on Thursday with that difficult person, uh, my mind is already preparing to be in my best element so I can be productive in that meeting or a preparation for an event that I'm going to have with my family. I plan my whole week. Therefore, I know where I am going and I know the time I, I can be together with one person concentrated in that. And when I meet with a person, I am fully concentrated in that person and you are the one person that matters and leaders need to do that because when the people that you are leading feel that you're just one other person, they are never, never going to give you the best. And if you're in a company, not giving the best, think that you go bankrupt. In a school, when a teacher doesn't give you the best, the students suffer. So this is a life or death thing. My mother-in-law, Maggie, when we would come to her house, she would always stop everything that she was doing. I would walk in the door. She would look at me and she would say, why Frederick? And she had this way of making the world stop and making me feel like, I was special. I can't tell you any of the conversations we had that went after those two words, but I can still hear her saying those words. And every time I hear her in, you know, in my memories, I light up and I feel better. And the thing that is awesome, frustrating, sad, and amazing all at the same time is we have the power to do that every day in every interaction we have, right? We could start this podcast. Like 
Efrain is so great to have you on. Or I can start this podcast and just say, okay, let's go. You know, it, and we have that every day with every person we interact with. And for teachers, it's kind of even more overwhelming, right? Because you can greet every one of your kids every day and for half a second, let them know that they are the most important person in the world. And I think it it is, as you said, when we are with that person, if we can communicate to them that they, in that moment, are the most important person in the world to us, that's a huge win. And and I guess that pulls back. I mean, that really brings us full circle in the show. Being a human leader is not that complicated, right? Just acknowledge how remarkable people are and and take that moment, that opportunity that you have with each of them and for five seconds, help them understand that to them right in that moment, they are the most important person. And if we just could do that every day, wow. You know, and you don't need to be uh, financially wealthy. You don't need to be six feet tall. You don't need to be the most attractive person. You can make someone feel like the center of the universe uh, be sincerely. And in case of the students, they will learn anything because everybody likes to feel important. Everybody's looking for that. In a way, the meaning of life is finding purpose. What is the purpose of life? And everybody's the hero of their story. You know, so when we support people to see themselves as the heroes of their own story, that they can accomplish great things if they're growing up, that they can fix and improve their relationships or perhaps start anew when they're adults, that they are valued, that they are worth it, that um, life is a miracle that happens every second, right? And um, when people think, how many more Christmases am I going to spend together with my family, right? Um, how many days? Um, if you get a calendar and you put the day average days, you know, and we are middle age, it's like half of our life already lived, right? What have we made of it, right? So when we like sincerely are in that moment and be the person that hey, yeah, no, I love being around this guy. Because every time I'm with them, they make me feel like I'm a million bucks. And I want to, and I feel better. I want to do better. I want to perform better. I want to be a better person. And like, it's, it's not difficult. It takes a conscientious effort of saying, today I'm going to be the best person I can be. I will be the person that I want people to be for me. I'm going to be for them. Okay, we have a lot more to talk about, so that's but that's going to be in another show. I I really would like for us to break down this whole idea of story, right? Because we each have a story that we tell ourselves about ourselves and what I've learned listening to you and also examining my own stories. A lot of times we are very wrong, and so we construct our own personalities based on the stories that we interpret, and usually we interpret it wrongly that's another episode. I have a couple questions left for you though. Sure. The first one is 
what part of your own leadership are you still trying to get better at? In everything. Um, I, I think that the key of leadership is acknowledging that, that Socrates says, I know nothing. And, you know, obviously you know some stuff, right? But you only know a minuscule part of, of that formula for the cake. And I think that uh, I am always looking for ways to support the, the like if I was a teacher, uh, I will emphasize a lot of the time in the students who are performing at the lowest level. So as a school leader, I'm always looking for ways to support the educators that are at the level that need a lot of improvement, you know, uh, how to get the best out of a human being by making them feel that they're worth it. Because often both the students who is performing low and the teacher who is not performing at the highest level is because they believe that they cannot do anymore. They believe often that they are drowning, that they have reached their maximum capacity and nobody has told them, hey, have you checked that door? You can go through it. Let's walk together. And I am always looking for ways to get better at that because a lot of people in the profession of education have been devastated throughout the years. All these policies of assessments and competition of this district is better than the other district. And this overemphasis has not given us any better results. We are not a better country because we have focused on assessments. It's just a fact, right? But we can be a better country if we focus in being the best person for ourselves. Mm. And I think that what I can do, and I'm always looking and, and reading about motivation and reading about actual supports that you can give to people, uh, is that area. How to support the most vulnerable people in the profession and make them believe that they are what they can be. Thank you so much. Final question. If listeners could take just one thing away from today's podcast, what would it be? Well, I think that like the fact that um, we are talking from different parts of the country, we have different races and ethnicities, we have different cultural backgrounds, and we are talking just like human beings. I think that's the biggest lesson. We are like the United States is like the Rome. We are falling. We are in war between each other. Uh, we all believe we are better than others. And, and we live in isolation and we live in hate and we live in disassociation. And, and there's people like you and me, Frederick, who have said, you know what? enough with this i'm going to do my part and if i do my part and you do your part and other people do your part that's what we can do and um i love the fact that uh in any second of this conversation we have ever talked about the things that are consuming us right now as a nation i think that we have talked about what makes us the the same you know, mm. our, 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 our 
our blood is the same, our humanity, our consciousness, our emotions are dealing with stress and, and, and depression, anxiety, all those parts that makes us human, I think it has brought us together. And what a beautiful thing uh, that we have in this conversation. This is what I will take with me. Efrain, I knew this would be a marvelous conversation, and I hope I hope the audience is as uplifted as I am. Um, just sharing this time with you, and thank you for coming and sharing with us. I'll include links to all your social media and wisdom and productivity, which is, I think, a very different kind of podcast. So I really want to encourage listeners to go listen because it's not your standard education podcast. And uh, I guess, is there anything else, uh, other links or other places you want people specifically to go to learn more about you outside of your principal life? Well, uh, uh, I have a, um, a very basic website, wisdomproductivity.com, that has all the links uh, for the things of, of, of my work. Uh, my work is basically a, a reflection of what is going on in life. I think that uh, often uh, school leaders hide themselves between that wall, uh, um, like I'm some sort of uh, uh, mystical chosen one. And what I'm trying to share is that, no, I'm just like a regular Joe that happens to be in this position and is learning. And I share my learning along the way on what I'm practicing and what I'm talking, what I'm, what I'm, what I preach. Uh, so other peoples are on the trenches. They can realize, oh, wow, I don't have to be this perfect persona that only posts perfect videos and perfect things because life is not like that. Life is unedited. Uh, and I invite you to join me in that journey. Uh, and I also invite you to join the AP podcast of Frederick Busky because yeah. what a profound voice and you cite the best research and uh, uh, I invite you guys to join uh, Frederick's podcast too. Afrain, thanks so much. This has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you, man. It was a total pleasure. Okay. We'll talk to you very shortly again. Bye-bye. All right. Cheers. What a wonderful show. I don't have much to add today. I just hope that you, dear listener, found this show to be as enlivening, stimulating, and I think joyous as I did. And sometimes being human feels like such a challenge and being surrounded by all those crazy humans seems like such a challenge. But every moment we have a chance to build our story, to edit our story, and every moment we have a chance to help others in understanding their story. So as always, thank you for walking this journey with me. I look forward to seeing you again on Friday when we recap this week's emails. Please remember, subscribe and rate the podcast I'm Frederick Buskey, and thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Assistant Principal Podcast. Cheers. Mm-hmm.